The Bible Study Podcast, episode 154. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Acts with chapter 17. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. You may have noticed that last week when we ended chapter 16, we had Paul and Silas in Philippi, and then we're starting with them in Thessalonica. And also those two cities should be familiar because the letter to the Philippians and the two letters to Thessalonica are in the New Testament. And they are letters written back to these two churches. So continue on in Acts 17. And when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue And on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, Upon arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. I'm going to stop in that awkward spot there because that's the time that Paul spent in Thessalonica. So he's there for three weeks. This is one of the reasons that he's writing a letter back to them. They still have questions when he leaves, and so he writes First Thessalonians, and then later on he writes Second Thessalonians to deal with the questions that arrive. So, starting back again here, did you notice in the beginning of this chapter, we have again switched back into third person. So, Luke was left in Philippi. So, as Paul needs to leave town, and this seems to happen very periodically, it's happening again in Thessalonica, because the Jews get jealous because so many people are becoming Christians, that when he leaves town, he and Silas need to go, but they can leave someone else behind who perhaps has a lower profile. And so Luke is left behind in Philippi. We get that because it's first person coming into Philippi and third person when they leave. So again, they teach in the synagogues first, and they explain the scriptures. Did you notice what he is explaining from the scriptures? He's explaining that the Messiah needs to suffer and die. And the reason for that is, if you look at the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, there are two themes. There's the theme of the suffering servant, and there's the theme of the conquering king. We believe both of those themes are correct, that both relate to Christ, but that one relates to Christ as he came, and one relates to as he will come and that he came as suffering servant last time, and that he will come as conquering king. But if you were the Jewish people and were not in charge of your own destiny, you were a client state of Rome, you were chafing under the Roman yoke, which of those two would you be looking for? Well, the more popular verses and the verses that were regularly studied relative to the Messiah were the conquering king. And so what Paul is doing is he's going through the Old Testament, he's saying, look at these verses from Isaiah, talking about, by his stripes we are healed. Look at these verses here from Psalm 20. 
2 that are talking about, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And going through all of those prophecies to point out that Jesus fulfilled them and that he was the Messiah that was to come, but they didn't recognize him because they were looking for this second coming. And again, a number of Jews become Christians as well as God-fearers, and those are people who have not converted to Judaism but are Jews in all but circumcision. And then a few, not a few prominent women. So, And then this riot starts. They drag Jason out. And again, the worst thing to happen in the very orderly Roman world for a city official is for riots to break out. They happen all the time, but it's not something that goes well on your permanent record. This is something that necessitates Paul and Silas leaving town. So jumping back into verse 10, as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirred them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. So again, now he's left Luke behind in Philippi to make sure that church is well established. Not sure if he left anybody behind in Thessalonica. They needed to leave there in a hurry. But he's leaving Silas and Timothy behind in Berea and trying to make sure that these churches are well established, that they understand the scriptures. They need some time with someone there. And then so Paul ends up in Athens and We can't tell if he's by himself, but he's certainly missing some of the regular people that he's been traveling with. Paul travels with more than one person. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in a synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, He seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting in the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. I don't know if this sounds familiar to you, but we sometimes in our culture consider an idea more interesting if it is new. Now, I understand that. I crave the new as well. But perhaps we would be better served if we considered an idea more interesting if it were true. And we don't often do the due diligence to tell the difference between the two. And so often with the media and often with our culture, we seek after the new and the novel. And that's the same thing that's going on here in Athens. We are a Western nation, and we have a lineage back here to Athens to these people who Paul is talking to. Then he's talking to two groups of philosophers, the Epicureans and the Stoics, and those tend to be on different sides of different arguments. I don't know if you recognize the terms, but Stoic, we talk about somebody who is Stoic, who is not showing their emotions, because a Stoic philosopher tended to talk about how you bear with the things that are going on around you. And Stoicism is a more austere philosophy. Epicurean is the opposite. Epicurean is eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. 
So Epicurean is suck the marrow out of life, just do it, grab all the gusto you can. Epicureans would write good commercials. So they bring Paul, they set him up, and they listen to him. Paul then stood up in a meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around the city and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I have even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that being divine is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. And so we get a little bit of Paul's sermon here. You can still go to Athens. You can still stand on Mars Hill, where Paul spoke to the people, just below the Parthenon. And a couple of interesting things to note about Paul's sermon. Paul, who grew up as both a Jew and a Roman citizen, also apparently has read Greek poets. And so he can quote some of their poets back to him. He uses the fact that they have an altar to an unknown God, a temple to an unknown God, and uses all those things to try and explain Christianity in a way that they would understand. He's trying to put it into their terminology. Now, one of the places he runs into problem is when he starts talking about that resurrection. And part of the reason for that is the Greek understanding of the body is that the body is just a shadow of something greater that exists somewhere else. And so this is an imperfect thing, and why would you possibly want to bring it back from the dead? This was something to be done away with over time. And so that's where he runs into an issue where a number of them say, well, hang on a second, you're talking about resurrection, that's just crazy. And Paul talks about that, that in one of his letters that he speaks about the resurrection of Jesus, which is a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. And this is one of the places he runs into latter. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast with Paul in Athens waiting for people to join him. If you have any questions about this episode, feel free to leave them at thebiblestudypodcast.com or drop me an email at host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hi, friend. Are you stressed? maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of too. 
Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.